Welcome to Bio Breakdown. On this podcast, we break down interviews with researchers, authors, and professionals, as well as biological concepts to make them more accessible and digestible for everyday people. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Randall. Hey, guys. And my producer, Max McDonald. This week, we're interviewing a good friend of mine, Kyle Maiden, who is an enthusiastic and knowledgeable aquarium hobbyist. Kyle? How's it going? How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. You're pretty good. That was a quick interview. Um, So, Kyle, you know, usually we talk to researchers or scientists um, so far, um, but you are using biology as an integral part of your hobby. So we always run through a set procedure when we interview these people. And um, we want to ask, like, when did you get interested in science and specifically, like, biology and animals? And then kind of, like, the steps that you took to learning more about it so that you could use it in your pursuit of this hobby. Yeah, well, uh, I guess starting as a, as a child... Uh, ever since I can remember, science has been a part of my life. My dad is a biology professor, um, specifically ichthyology, which uh, is the study of fish. Okay. And so I've had, I don't know, I've had fish as uh, pets all my life, but I've also kind of worked with research in the field. And um, I don't know, growing up, it was it was just normal to be a part of science. Were, uh, were your first memories growing up like did you have fish when you were like three years old like two years old yeah I mean we always had a fish tank in the house nice. um, I'd always bring you know it was it was fair game to bring in like a you know find a turtle out there bring it in you know we'll see <laughs> kind of <laughs> see what we're gonna do hell yeah um, you know that was all those snakes were uh, snakes were a no go <laughs> my mom was uh, we had an incident with the uh, was on a field trip and we uh, came across a ringneck snake, which is they're they're fairly small and uh, they don't you know they're not venomous or anything. And so I was able to bring that home, but it <laughs> got out somehow in the house, and so that was that was the end of that. No more snakes in the well, house. It, it, just, like, it, it disappeared and it never to be seen again. It, it, it did. It's like, uh, it's not, a little scary. Not to, not to be brought up again as well. <laughs> That's a little bit scary. It's another Houdini snake story, like uh, like Kenny's. So, you were always interested in science. You know, you were brought up in an environment where that was part of your life. Um, but kind of what brought you then towards pursuing the aquarium hobby with more enthusiasm as you got older? Yeah, so, you know, as I said, been we had aquariums all our life, and my I was primarily freshwater fish, and so you know I was always interested in marine life, and I was curious about it. I never, I thought it was pretty difficult to do. There's a lot of uh, steps and proper equipment and stuff like that. So I, I kind of waited, I guess, till I was a little more comfortable, had some money, you know, and uh, <laughs> did some research got some equipment and then uh i just kind of jumped in tried to set up an aquarium and uh and then got a job at a local aquarium shop because i figure you know the best hands-on 
tiny kit would be working somewhere where you're doing it every day. And I would say that that uh, helped tremendously. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. So, experience is like, I mean, that's a job. Like, <laughs> yeah. It is an hour And, and you deal with, you know, you get the same questions. You get more familiar with uh, the basic aspects of everything from chemistry to animal temperament to, um, I don't know, na- fish names, everything. You know, it's, yeah. it's the, the full gamut. Would it would it be fair to say that you enjoy like the discipline aspect of it, as in learning all the different pieces and then how you can put them together? Oh, absolutely. And I and for marine life particularly, everything is so I, it's just so it's so connected. Everything is um, you know the fish, the corals, uh, everything. You have to have a lot of knowledge. Uh, yeah, about all of it, and it has to make sure it works together and it and gets along. And I know freshwater is a little bit of that too, but there's a whole almost another tier to doing marine, <laughs> so to speak. There's like there's freshwater and saltwater, and they're like two different things because um, I'm, I don't know much about it, but I would imagine like you can't like there are there any saltwater that can go to freshwater and vice versa. Yeah, so there's uh, you know I guess one of the most common fish that people talk about is salmon okay you know they're they're born born and fresh and then kind of as they mature they make their way out to the ocean and then when they need to breed again kind of make their way back but i'm intrigued but there are some other fish uh particularly like mollies um some some guppies stuff like that uh, they can kind of move back and forth It, it takes some time it's a it's a slow process bringing them you know, raising the salinity or lowering the salinity on the fish to not not stress them out. So, so I was saying, so salinity, that's just like the amount of salt in the water, correct? Right, right. And so certain, I mean, it's kind of interesting, certain parts of the ocean um, have a higher level of salinity. Obviously, the Dead Sea probably being the highest. <laughs> but, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, the the Red Sea is a, is a little bit higher, Um it's it's not huge. We're talking yeah, decimals, but it's still a it's, it's still a part. It's the most. So uh, you say there's like it's like a puzzle putting like the corals and like all the fish together. Um, there's a lot of fish and there's a lot of corals. I would imagine. How like difficult is it to like know every like aspect of the fish and how difficult is a puzzle? Is this puzzle? Yeah. Uh, it's it's just a lot of information. So uh, you know you got all these different groups. They all get to different sizes. Some you know eat others. Uh, there's so I guess in the beginning a lot of a lot of people talk about I'm gonna get Nemo. I'm gonna get Dory. I'm gonna get Bubbles. That kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, Nemo you can keep in a 10 gallon tank, you know, with the right equipment. Dory needs a much larger aquarium. So, I, you know, I think size is a big, is a big thing to start out with, uh, knowing how big the, the fish actually gets. And same with freshwater. Um, but temperament also plays a role too. So, and that's really just kind of stuff that you pick up from an experienced person in a shop or something like that. They can kind of help you with that compatibility aspect until you get a more familiar because there's certain you know certain genuses in particular that kind of are known for being more aggressive or 
known for being uh, fish that need a lot of swimming room or, you know. So there's kind of uh, characteristics of each that help you to determine, in general, this fish is going to do this. Yeah. But not always the case, you know. Do uh, do different fish, like, can they have their own personalities? Like, let's say, oh, like... I- yeah. You have two that the same breed and like one like likes to swim a lot and needs a bigger tank. <laughs> Is that a thing? I wouldn't say like needing to swim a lot more, but maybe say uh, lazier than <laughs> some of those. Uh, not one to put as much effort in. Uh, some that, you know, you could have two different clownfish and one's going to be a lot more aggressive toward a particular fish for whatever reason. He might be yellow. I don't, I don't know. So... <laughs> There's a uh, there's a little bit of a profiling these clownfish will do, but <laughs> in general uh, they're a fairly tolerant yeah. tolerant group. Right. No yellow fish tank. So, no. I, you talked about like and we had. Oh, sorry to butt in, but we had uh, we had a clownfish, which is or I mean sorry, a, a triggerfish, which these guys have teeth, small teeth you know, they use for crustaceans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, breaking them and eating them. But he attacked anything you put in the tank that was red. So if you had a red fish in there, game over. If you try to put a scraper in there to clean the glass with red, you would just chew it up completely. Did, so, it, it, you know, there's different things that you just pick up. Yeah, they have different personalities. Did any of those red fish fight back? You know, there's a, there's a little bit of the home turf um, advantage. If he's been in the tank, you yeah. drop somebody in, he's kind of new, doesn't know what's going on. And, <laughs> He knows the four corners. Yeah, four corners and that he's dead. (laughs) Rip. R.I.P. Yeah, gone. Uh, You're talking about, like, sources for for gaining information. Are you a member of, like, aquarium community sites on the internet? Because I know when I was in, um, I, I used to be way back. I was more on like the freshwater side of things trying to, right. trying to get in. And I was a member of a site and, um, there were some, like, some people would say one thing about a fish, right. a type of fish. Some people would say another. And then you get into the, the moral and ethical debates about keeping certain species together. Um, Absolutely. So I kind of have a love hate relationship with the internet because there's so much information and then you kind of drop opinions into that. So, you you know, the fact is that this fish is yellow, but one person will say, yeah, you can keep this yellow fish in a 30-gallon aquarium, or you can can only keep it in a (laughs) 100-gallon aquarium. So, you know, there's, I think, you know, as you get a little more comfortable in the hobby, you're going to kind of develop your own, I guess, mentality as far as, you know, there's people that talk about the ethical dilemma of keeping fish. Whether it's right, whether it's wrong, yeah. if you're keeping a fish in a too small of an aquarium, you know that's no one's going to tell you that uh, you can't do it because you'll find somebody that'll that'll agree with you on the internet. <laughs> so, um, but you'll find plenty of people that disagree. So you kind of have to balance what you feel is right for the animal because you know when I look at that, it, they're um, that's their life too. You know, not saying that it's equal to a human, but it's um, I'm doing it for a hobby. I'm not I'm here to make everybody miserable. <laughs> just myself. <laughs> you want to make sure the fish's life is, is pleasant and they're not confined to like a little fishbowl. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, you could keep a dog in a in a closet. <laughs> life, 
But is that really much life of, of a life for a dog? No. <laughs> exactly. Right. Right. So I, I think you you still have to. And obviously, yeah, it'd be great to put a clownfish in a an aquarium the size of my house, <laughs> but they don't they they really stick to stick to a really small area in the wild. They're primarily around enemies, yeah. so they that's what they survive in. Um, they got a symbiotic relationship. They both take care of each other, and um, so they they don't move a whole lot in an aquarium. They're kind of going to stay in a smaller area. That's why they do better. In a smaller tank. So uh, you say clownfish have a symbiotic relationship with each other? With clown with uh, anemones. Oh, okay. And uh, what exactly is a symbiotic relationship? So uh, both benefit from each each other. You know, so the clownfish is feeding the anemone. It's basically crapping in the anemone, and the anemone's important. Okay. But you know, occasionally they'll bring food and stuff like that to them, oh, and an anemone provides protection. You know, obviously they have the ability to sting. I've been stung. It's <laughs> yeah. not. It's not great. Oh, yeah. it's it's kind of like a, yeah. a a give and take on both sides. Exactly. One, one gives and takes, and the other gives and takes. Uh, that would be a good example of mutualism. Yeah. Where they they both benefit. There's a bunch of different classifications of symbiotic relationships, but this is a like really good uh, example of of mutualism. Yeah. Yeah, and there's and there's and that's the great thing about saltwater is there is a, a widespread um, list of examples of symbiotic relationships. Cleaner fish and cleaner uh, shrimp, you know, Jacques from Tiny <laughs> Nemo. He's not really cleaning the aquarium; he's cleaning the fish. And by that, he's removing parasites, removing dead cells, stuff yeah. like that, and and that's provide food for him, and it's cleaning the fish off. Right. I was listening to a documentary on a, a cleaning fish, and like some fish would travel like miles to like pull into a certain cleaner fish's garage. Oh yeah. And like this cleaner fish would like there'd be a, a line, like literally a line of fish yep. waiting outside, and they would he would kick not kick that fish out, but he'd let this other fish jump in line because a returning customer has a bigger <laughs> yeah. fish. Like is that actually? He's got he's got his buy one get one on the. Yeah, he has the coupons. On the cleaning. Yep. Yeah, I had to do I had to do a research project on that, actually, like the cleaner shrimp and the fish interactions. Yeah. And it is crazy because there are, like, uh, behaviors that, for example, certain species of cleaner shrimp will engage in to, like, advertise their service. Right. So they'll, like, come to some rocky outcrop that's isolated, and then they'll do a dance so that the fish know, like, hey, yeah. I'm I'm open for business. I'm here to work, you know? The street walker. Is what call it. <laughs> yeah. Work in the corners, you know? I saw some girls doing yep. it the other day driving down the, <laughs> the highway. Uh, I think that's, that'll yeah, we're get... We're trying, trying to keep this... Uh... Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> might, might be a little different. Uh, that'll get you dirty. That won't get you clean. But... <laughs> You know, and then also the the fish have behavioral actions that they'll take. You know, they'll sit there with their mouth open, indicating yep. that you know there's uh, uh, opening for service. You know, yeah, or they're in need, or action, um, action something's TV bothering yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, I it's interesting though because sometimes they'll like cheat. You know, like they won't actually do the service, yeah. or or the fish will like eat the cleaner. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I, you know, we've had a plenty of, of fish that that prey on shrimp naturally, like that's part that's a large part of their diet. Yeah, and seeing them show up to a cleaner shrimp or something like that to to engage in that service is 
is is kind of mind-boggling. And if they if they mess it up, <laughs> shrimp usually isn't there. Yeah. <laughs> very long. That's actually super interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know they did that either. And there is like different like. Maybe it's an aspect of evolution there. You know, you're good at your job. You're sticking around. Yeah. Yeah. That, there's like grading of service from from the fishes and stuff. Like obviously we can't we can't evaluate what their evaluation of the service is, but like they'll return to certain shrimp more than other ones and stuff too. Yeah, exactly. And the, probably they've got more business. <laughs> it's like it's like a shark tail, but in real life and with you know shrimp and, and cleaner wrasses as well. Yep. Remoras, those you know you've seen those. Uh, Sharks that got all these like suction cup fish on the bottom of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are remoras, and they have kind of like it's a it's a weird feeling on them. It's almost like a feels like a tire. Well, obviously, I've only fed a, felt a dead one, but it's almost like a like a tire slash suction cup that they've got just like right on their face, <laughs> and they'll just ride along on these on these whale sharks and 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 for miles and miles and just get get scraps. Yeah, but they're Pretty not. They're not benefiting their, you know, their host at all. They're just not a detriment. They're a hit, they're they're what I'd say is a hitchhiker. Right. And what what relationship is that called? There's a word for that. There is a there is a word for that. It's not. Uh, it's, I think it's commensalism, right? Where That's where one benefits and it's not really detri- detriment to the other. That. That probably is one of the terms, but I think there was a term I learned in oh, high school. Okay, I'll, I'll come back with some research. I'll yeah, come we'll come back. We've got a fact fact check going. Can't misinform the listeners. That's no. that's rule number one. That's why you're probably gonna have to cut out my entire part of the interview. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're fine. You're fine. Um. So we um. You want to talk about another? Or well, another topic I wanted to bring up would be. Um, kind of issues in conservation and ecology that have to do with the aquarium trade. Meaning, like, you know, certain species can be bred in captivity and certain species cannot. They have to be captured from the wild. What are, like, the implications of that? And then also kind of, um, you know, with the decline in coral through coral bleaching and the ocean acidification... How is that influencing the aquarium hobby, or vice versa? Yeah, so I think so. I think the marine aquarium hobby right now is at a stage that freshwater was a few decades ago. So freshwater, you originally you had to get everything from the wild, obviously. Yeah. And then groups started breeding. You got home breeders. You got um, businesses that are breeding fish. And now it's it's nearly impossible to go anywhere. And not find a fish that's bred captive, you know. And 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 there's certain species, obviously, that's a little more tough. I think, like you know, some of these larger larger fish to breed. But but marine, the the breeding part is is so different and so varied. A lot of these fish, you need a lot more room. You can't just breed them in these ten gallon aquariums and take the eggs out and and hash them yourself. You've got to um, you know, you got you gotta have cylindrical, uh, cylindrical aquariums for certain fish because when they'll breed, they'll do a breeding dance and kind of go up into the water column, release the eggs and the sperm, and then goes from there. 
So uh, there's there's some difficulties that you've got to overcome to be able to to breed certain things in marine, you know, in captivity for marine stuff. So, I will say though that they've they've made some leaps and bounds on that. I, you know, clownfish is the example because that they're really easy to breed. They're being bred everywhere, and they're bred to the point now where you've got what's called designer clownfish. So you've got clownfish that oh, this one has a lot more white on it. So we're going to call this the Picasso clown. <laughs> I don't really know who's doing that, but it's uh, that's kind of something that they're they're working on there. You know some some large angelfish, wrasses, stuff like that. Uh, they're they're working on breeding. It's a little more difficult, a lot more uh, money involved. These fish are not cheap. Coming diving down, getting them, finding them, catching them. Yeah. And then hoping you got a male and a female because <laughs> they're not sexually dimorphic most species. Which so that means like a physical morphological difference between male and female. Right, so a male a male lion you can tell because he's got a large mane, and a female she does not have it, and, she, and it's not always the case with fish. You just can't they tell. They can look the exact same, and one's a male and one's a female. And now I, I think size plays a lot of that, but it's um, it's hard to tell for a lot of species. That's crazy. You know, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna say you know some of the biggest impacts, I'd say you know a loss of habitat, uh, especially with these loss of uh, reefs is probably more of an impact that and overfishing are more of an impact on on the on the fish than the aquarium trade is right and you know and I, we're taking you know obviously we're taking these fish from their habitat we're putting you know we're shipping them across the world and they're going into someone's aquarium um, but I don't think it's having as big of an impact as say them coming through with these trawl nets and just wiping out whole populations of groups of fish mm-hmm. and you know if you're if your your habitat's disappearing just like the rainforest if your habitat's disappearing you got nowhere to hide you got nowhere to eat you got nowhere to survive you're going to die out same thing with these coral reefs where the coral's dying out you know that's that's a food source for a lot of a lot of creatures they're going to start dying out too um but the interesting thing about coral though is uh, a lot of Aquarius, it's, it's pretty easy to, to grow it in their tanks and kind of transplant it, so to speak. And what we call that is, is fragging. So you've got a, a colony of coral. You've got a colony of coral, and you're going to, say, just chop off a portion of it. And then you plant it, and it, it's going to grow a new, new colony. It's kind of like it would be in the ocean where if they, a piece of coral broke off, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow somewhere else. So what I'm saying here is, is it's easier to, to propagate kind of in the, in the hobby. And so what, what's happening is they're, they're growing them in tanks and then they're putting these frags out in the, in the ocean. So they've got these farms and they're trying to kind of regrow these, grief, these reefs. Mm-hmm. And there's actually species of, of coral that's extinct in the wild that people have in their aquariums. Really, that's pretty wild. That's it's it's pretty interesting stuff. And and just to like emphasize the importance of coral reefs, like those are the biodiversity hotspots of the ocean, right? They right. they host and foster the vast. Well, I don't want to say the vast majority of life, but kind of the most variation of species, the most number of species in like a smaller centralized space compared exactly. to the whole ocean. 
Um, and not only are they important like ecologically in that way, but uh, humans, whether commercially, you know, collecting shells or catching uh, fish, but also food-wise, we get a lot of food ourselves from uh, coral reefs. So that's an issue that needs to be investigated and, and worked on. <laughs> How to prevent these mass coral die-off bleaching events from ocean acidification and, and stuff. Exactly. There's a lot of inf interesting information. If you take sharks, for example, and you remove the apex predator from a, from a group, you see what happens to populations of certain fish. And it's actually shown that it's a lot healthier when there's a healthy population of predators in the area than so taking the sharks out. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm less familiar with that, like uh, aquatic interaction, but that's like a good example of a top-down effect on the ecosystem. Exactly. The deer, you could say. Yeah, exactly. Same thing with white-tailed deer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> White-tailed deer, the predator? No, no, no. They, <laughs> no. they just have no predators now. So that's now we've got. Oh, really? Yeah, well, yeah, it's my car. That's <laughs> the my car is the, the new predator. Yeah. Cars are the biggest predator. That's, yep. how, that's how it goes. Gotta get that, that deer whistle. <laughs> a deer whistle. <laughs> yeah. Nah. I don't know if that works or not, but it probably doesn't. <laughs> what are you talking about, deer whistle? People put those deer whistles on their cars, so the deer. Can are you hear talking it. about a whistler tip? The whistle go woo woo. Is that what you're talking about? I uh, think you put it on the, the front of your car, a little whistle, and you, and you drive the air goes through it and it scares the deers away in front of you. Like, this okay. So how is a deer not going to hear your car coming? <laughs> deer whistles high pitch, they can hear it further away. This sounds so this sounds only, like an only the deer can hear it. Is what you're saying? Yes. Like something <laughs> and, they, and do they do they come like, or leave though? Time for me, Randy. <laughs> do they come or leave because of that? No, this this uh, is uh, obvious. Oh, this is like some. You're calling. Let's go. We got a meeting. I just can't believe you guys never heard of that. Meeting no, I've never heard road. of a deer whistle before. This is something. <laughs> the Sharper Image magazine or something. I don't know. I've never Girl, heard of a deer whistle. Go on Amazon. Look at that. reviews. Deer whistle. I, to, to me, it sounds like. I haven't had deer in years. <laughs> and that's anecdotal experience. You You're can't not make that because you put the whistle on. Uh, I don't actually own a whistle. But... <laughs> It sounds I like, think you're just driving around whistling. <laughs> yeah. It it sounds to me if you would have a deer whistle on your car, deers would, would probably come to your car. Bad <laughs> dog whistle next. Deer whistle. <laughs> oh god. Anyway, so apparently that's not <laughs> a thing. Right. So. Oh, I, we'll have to look it up. We'll have to look it up. Maybe we can get a deer whistle sponsorship for the podcast. <laughs> Deerwhistler.com. Great. Just a little disclaimer: we're not sponsored by Deer Whistle. Not at least. Right if now. it's a real item, or like, <laughs> in the future. It's like the is this like the leprechaun it. flute, like in Mobile, Alabama? Look like a leprechaun. <laughs> Could have been a crackhead. Got a hold of the wrong stuff. Went up there and told to play a leprechaun. Gosh darn it! All right, all right. Back on topic. Back, Back on, on topic. Yeah. So, do you got any? Fun stories uh, from dealing with customers or just like cool interactions you've observed in your own aquarium experience? Interactions meaning like between fishes or invertebrates in your yeah. aquariums. Um, I had, uh, well, I don't know, a couple things come to mind. I had, <laughs> I had a, a fish that would sleep only on its side in a specific spot of the tank every night. So it would be like clockwork. <laughs> Seven o'clock hits. Where's uh, where's my liar tail hogfish? 
It's in its, it's in its uh, sleeping den. And it just slept. Was, uh, do you think it was dead the first time? I, you know, I, obviously I've, I've, I've seen a couple of these fish do it when they're stressed, kind of like find a spot and lay down and it does look like it, but you see their gill <laughs> flaps moving and it gives you a little, a little bit of relief that that $150 fish that you just got <laughs> and didn't just, didn't just croak. That's good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, there's, you know, I'm actually, uh, gonna launch i'm gonna give myself a little plug here but uh i'm gonna be starting a, a little podcast and we're gonna have a, a little section called uh tales from the fish shop mm. we're gonna kind of uh entail some some unique experiences we've all had all right, so. in, the, in the shop and 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 whatnot but yeah the query i mean it's gonna it's it's a little yeah. ways away but uh how, how often don't does... cap the glass <laughs> The, the complete aquarium podcast. Oh, <laughs> honestly, well, that's one of our biggest pet peeves is uh, is people coming in and just tapping <laughs> the glass. I, I mean, it sends vibrations. You hear that on like Channel Nine PBS from age five on, right? Like, you know, I'm pretty sure Mister Rogers was probably like, "Don't tap the glass." He had an, he had a fish tank. He did. True. Did he ever tap the glass? Probably not. Not Mr. Rogers is a... He fed the fish. That's, a, that's all I saw him do. Fred okay. Rogers was a beacon of wholesomeness, okay? Yeah, he was. I don't... Definitely. He, with the whole fish feeding thing, do you guys know the story about that? No. Apparently, like, a blind child wrote into his show and was like, oh... I hear that you have a fish tank and that you enjoy feeding your fish, but I can't see it. So from that point on, he would always say, Oh, now I'm going to go feed my fish. Wow, yep. look at them eating the that food. That is so awesome. Mr. Mr. Rogers. The world is a worse place without him. No, he is. Like, a lot of, I agree. That's the emotional moment for the podcast. But anyway... We just won't give you, <laughs> get into Steve Irwin with you? Oh, no. We can't. Because okay, that's a... It's a wide open room. That would sting too much. For all of us, I think. Yeah. You got the gauze handy, Randy? <laughs> yes, sir. I, I gotta, my mom, uh, we'll just touch on this for a second. I can't get too deep into this. But he, uh, when he died, I wasn't watching the news or anything. I didn't really go on the internet at the time. And nobody told me that he died. And then, like, three or four days later, I got on the internet, and my mom and I, I just started, like, sobbing. And my mom, my mom was like, I thought you knew. And I was like, you thought I knew and I just handled it? Like you thought I could just take it? No. You sensed <laughs> it in the atmosphere. That something had happened. I was devastated. I cried for a couple days. It was horrible. I think we all... You, how much school did you miss? Uh, unfortunately, I didn't miss any, but he wouldn't have <laughs> wanted me to miss any school. So, so had he passed on, say, a Monday... You, you possibly could have got a Tuesday and, or, or a Wednesday and a Thursday off. Oh, no. I mean, I went to school. There, there was no getting out of there was no getting out of school for that. Okay. But I was well, devastated. Maybe it didn't hit you as hard as it hit <laughs> me and Kyle. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, sure. I missed a week. How Is this you... a suffering Olympics over here? <laughs> How much school did you miss? <laughs> you guys really missed I, a I week? I mean, I'm still missing school. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got uh, I was like at like a month and a half. <laughs> Uh, Max, weren't you homeschooled at the time? It was during the summer also. 
<laughs> Maybe. All right, all right. We gotta get we gotta get out of the emotional rabbit hole here. It wasn't during the summer. That was a joke. I, I had had a question. All right, a second. So yeah. people talk about. Are you mentioning how there's like the designer fish, the Picasso, and uh, there's fish breeding and such? Um, like, how expensive do fish get compared to like? The only thing I can refer reference to is like dogs. I own a husky, and like I paid yeah. five hundred dollars for it, and that yep. was a really good deal. So like, oh yeah, absolutely. What about fish? So yeah, so some of the it's interesting if you were to look at like some of the designer clowns that that came out a couple years ago. One's called the Wyoming White, and they were pretty much all white, and they maybe had like a little black face. So they came out, and they were three, four, five hundred dollars a piece. And now you can kind of get those for maybe a hundred or a little a little more than a hundred. Just uh, depends. So kind of as as the as more people get into it and as as kind of that yeah. fat dies out, uh, they're not gonna be as expensive. But yeah. fish in general for the saltwater hobby are, are pretty expensive. So you're ranging from I'd say ten dollars into the tens of thousands wow okay. yeah, yeah kyle well what were you gonna say max i was gonna ask what is a fish that costs ten thousand dollars <laughs> i uh, you know i'm thinking right now that they there's a what they call a peppermint angel fish they're caught pretty deep um they're a deep water angel and so you have to kind of have a tank that's a little more adapted you know when they're when they're deep it, it's pretty cold down there, so the, it's typically one. And there's not really any light, so you need it in an aquarium that's that's dark and and kind of chilly. Not not the most uh, entertaining thing, <laughs> to but you've, you've got a fish in there that's almost uh, it's peppermint striped. It's 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 gorgeous, but it's thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, think, it's, it's, uh, a couple of them that have sold. It's all been in Japan. Oh you know, yeah, Japan is 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 just. They, taken a majority of these uh, yeah. exotic fish, and it's, and it's been like that J- for Japan years. Japan loves the fish, like to eating it, <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, yeah. to viewing it. Just, well, hey, on the same vein, though, so such a fish, do you, as a, a aquarium owner, have to mess around with like pressures of the water when you're when you have when you're trying to so like a deep water fish. Yeah, yeah that's not no, not not really. You know, if if they're properly brought up, it's kind of like us when we we were to go di- scuba diving. Yeah, you don't want to get the. Uh, you don't want to come up too quick. I forget the, what it's called, but yeah, the bends, right? Yeah, the bends. Nice. Yeah. So the same yeah. thing for or somewhat for fish. Um, I think the anatomy is a little different on that for sure. But if you're bringing them up too quick they're not going to survive and it's going to be pretty quick you'll know in a couple of days if it's not <laughs> brought up properly if you bring it up slowly and normal um, and, and they've got kind of kits adapted for these really deep water fish they they do fine in uh, in normal normal pressure sea level pressure is what I would I would say completely fine yeah gotcha so it's it's one of those things where you can bring them up but just not too quickly. Correct. Yeah, and they've got you know they've got special um, devices that that depressurize as they slowly bring them up, and they may bring a fish up over a, a day in these little contraptions to so slowly. You know, if you got a thirty thousand dollar fish that you just caught, you're gonna take <laughs> precaution. Yeah. To bring that, that fish. 
definitely makes sense. Imagine having the disposable income to spend $30,000 on a fish that it's not even like a car where you can take it out in public. I mean, I guess there's like Instagram. So somebody who owns a $30,000 fish is going to have an Instagram. Better keep that flash off. Well, no, I, I think that's in the situation if you want to show off your thirty thousand dollar fish you're, you're gonna have people over to your house right oh, you, maybe. You're, having, oh, yeah. you're having house parties yeah. at all i'm that. not gonna have anybody in my aquarium aquarium because room. you're gonna be broke <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna have anybody in my aquarium room if i have a thirty thousand dollar fish yeah everybody's gonna be vetted at the door nobody's gonna have sharp objects no yeah. no yeah. no, no tap- powder bleach that could end up in the tank no somehow. yeah no glass no young children i think i would i would actually have bouncers in my aquarium room yeah. There you go. Hey. An interesting, an interesting note I'll mention about uh, how you know how fish are caught. There's a lot, you know, there's a lot of talk about people going in with dynamite or bleach or cyanide and kind of dumping it in an area and then catching the fish. I think a lot of that's really gone away, and now all these are hand caught or net caught because obviously the people that are buying these fish want a fish that's healthy. And uh, you're bringing in a fish that's sick. You know, the aquarium company that's buying that is not going to want to buy it, yeah. and then resell it to me if it's sick. And uh, the cyanide and bleach and stuff like that. I mean, this fish, the, there's signs, and they don't typically live that long. So if unless you're shipping it immediately after catch to the shop, and it's probably going to die on your side. So so there's kind of been a weed out of that. Yeah, the shops you get bad reviews. So they have hillbillies that are, are doing dynamite fishing, <laughs> but it, it's not the professional uh, fish catchers out there. So the divers. So the methods used that you just, just just described don't really. The fish don't really come back from that. They will eventually die. <laughs> Is what you're saying. The old I means we all I mean, die. Bleach, I mean, cyanide, I mean, stuff like that. Those are pretty later. heavy, yeah, pretty heavy toxins. and cyanide. Yeah, that's that's gonna dynamite. I, I don't really know. I guess what that's that kind of hit or miss. heavy cyanide. I don't know how, how the fish catching methods actually work. I don't know how bleach or cyanide would come into that play. And well, they're kind of like you know I've seen videos where they just kind of like shoot it into a burrow and then it kind of stuns the fish and they're able to grab the fish. That makes sense. Uh, but oh, you know, fish is still that that poison is going in through their gills. They're gonna still have effects. Infest that, and that's that's not gonna go well. Yeah, there's there's been studies with even like a little bit of bleach. You can kill, you know, just about anything from plants plant seed to any bacteria. Bacteria especially, it'll kill bacteria. Oh yeah, in minutes we had a customer that went out of town, and his wife decided she was going to clean the tank. And do you think one of the chemicals was that she put in to clean? Yeah, bleach. bleach wiped the whole thing out. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to check back in and see if the marriage is still there. <laughs> oh, it's, it's probably touchy. Probably touchy topic. It's a little touchy. Uh, All the bleach is yeah. locked up. Divorce. Who cut the thirty thousand dollar fish though? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, probably dead. Imagine, but, well, oh, it might be a homicide. <laughs> All right, she gets the house. I get the fish. Tank. God. Uh-huh. Man. All right. Well, we've got we've been chatting for about fifty minutes here. I don't know if you want to have some final thoughts. You want to plug your podcast again so everybody remembers the title, and then uh, you know we'll have a, a little. Finale discourse, and then right. go our separate ways. 
Sounds great. Hell yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have any questions or, or anything I can I, I, touch on or anything. I did miss the name of your podcast the first time around. Yeah, so it's going to be called Don't Touch the Glass. Don't Touch? Oh, don't, sorry, Don't Tap the Glass. There we go. The Complete Accordion Podcast. Hell yeah. That's my line. That's, on, <laughs> that's a very good title. Um, Thank you. Yeah, and uh, um, I didn't realize, so prior to this, Chris was mentioning um, uh, about the topic we were that I'm interviewing today. And I got onto like, to, like, Reddit and the internet, and the, the community for um, this topic is way bigger. It's huge. It's, it's, yeah, it's huge. huge. It's way bigger than I it's... ever imagined it would be. <laughs> So. Yeah, and it's it's pretty underground almost. You yeah, know, you don't exactly. Have a lot of people that have a saltwater aquarium or anything like that, and uh, it's I, I think it's on one of the growing lists of you know popular hobbies, especially among you know athletes and stuff like that. You see all those cribs, and they've got a you know I think Shaq had a shark tank. <laughs> you know, you got the, the tanked episodes on Animal Planet, which I have to oh, yeah. make a note on there. Don't do a lot of things they do. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I will say they're, I've met them. They're really good guys. Uh, they're doing a lot of this for, for the dramatic stuff. They're not really actually taking all these fish and dumping them in the tank. That's just kind of a – I mean, they do that, but they don't keep them in there. That's kind of a show thing. It's like uh, – There's a lot, sure. of, a lot of biology that goes into preparing your natural filtration in the tank. And if you were to take – an aquarium that had nothing in it and dump all these fish in there, you're going to have uh, a little bit of a chemical problem. I'm really glad you brought that up because a, a discussion of the aquarium hobby would not be complete without some touching on the nitrogen cycle. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's very important for those of you that don't know. I don't know. You can't just dump fish in an aquarium after like, you know, you haven't recycled the tank, and that's exactly. that's a term that means you introduce like a food source or a waste source, which yep. feeds the bacteria. Kyle, step in if I'm I'm wrong. You're on it. You're it on feeds it. Feeds the bacteria in the filtration system in the aquarium itself, which then have like a population boom, and they produce a bunch of ammonia. And then other bacteria step in and convert that into a less dangerous nitrogen source. Is that correct? You are correct. So wow. a little more in depth, your your food source and your waste source is going to be the ammonia that's coming in. And ammonia is toxic. Yeah. And really, I mean, there's some fish that are – that's why they always tell you to start out with the, the fish that are really hardy because they can kind of take the ammonia, so to speak. They can kind of – and low doses, they're going to be able to survive that. So wow. your ammonia, there's there's different types of bacteria that are going to convert these in the different steps. So you got your ammonia, which is toxic, that needs to be converted into nitrite, which is also toxic. There's a there's a purple there's a certain type of bacteria that does that, and I don't remember if it's anaerobic or aerobic. One needs oxygen, one doesn't. That's the difference between those. Okay. And it takes it, converts it into nitrite. And then you have another bacteria that converts it into nitrate, which in if you get it to a very high level, it's toxic. But in general, nitrate is something that's removed through water changes and, and what whatnot. Right. Wow, that's I did not know that. So you can't just dump fish in, into water. You need to like kind of no. like play chemists 
Right. The fish is and I'll say, you know, all those people that, that go and win a goldfish at the fair. Yes. It usually doesn't end too well with the goldfish. <laughs> but I have had plenty of people that, have, you know, I, I did a... That's when the game's are hard. It's hard to win. I've <laughs> uh, sold plenty of aquariums to people, parents, frantic, coming in for, my kid just won a goldfish. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> you know, and so it, it, preparing a tank for fish, it does take a little little time. Yeah. And, uh, hey, and time is on your side with these. What's the fish that you can put in the... No one else laughed. Kyle knows what I'm talking about. The fish that you can put in the back of your toilet, like in like the, the water the water reserve, that will... Never works. Oh. All right, so what maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, is, so... is this the website that you got to do with? <laughs> Are you talking about tilapia? No. And there's a fish that can live in the, the tank of a toilet, and the, bat, you know, the, the tank that holds the water, and it keeps the calcium corrosion. You have what are you talking about, dude? This is a miracle <laughs> worker fish. No. Alright, maybe I'm wrong. So. Is this from an anime? I'll... You guys continue on. <laughs> I'm going to fast check my own self on this. I know there are aquariums that you can attach. There's nothing that's going to eat your calcium <laughs> corrosion. <laughs> I think that anything that it's in, it's in your, the the tank, the no, clean part. No, when you when you, you you know how that works, you open the <laughs> valve and all the water gets sucked down. Fish, yeah, fish yeah. Included. Fish you there there are aquariums careful. that you like. It's a, yeah, it's, Missy Elliott had a aquarium that was built around a chair. I think like she sat in a chair that was filled with goldfish. Yeah, and I've seen that cool, it's like yeah. a toilet that's specially uh, fabricated. Oh, what? Nothing. Missy, if you're <laughs> listening, you know, upgrade that tank to a solid tank. Yeah, <laughs> but there are aquariums and, and like that go with specially fabricated toilets where where the tank normally is appears to be a fish tank, mm-hmm. but that is not a functional. Toilet tank, fish tank. There's a specific place where the water right. is coming from that it's is two not, separate yes, systems. Absolutely, there's no way they're gonna yep. they're gonna combine those. Otherwise, you're gonna be buying fish every hour. You flush. <laughs> Especially me. Good. I mean, if, if you're a, yeah. if you're a wait, if you're a heavy user <laughs> of the toilet, it, it's gonna be a lot more. It's be, more a, it's be, a, be a rough ride back there. But uh, speaking of of um, like fair goldfish. You know, you might win at the carnival or whatnot. I just want to have a shout out to one of my first friends, Nugget. R.I.P. or R.I.P. The, the goldfish that enjoyed being petted. It was such a good fish. Oh, that sounds so sweet. There, that goes back to the the personality a little bit. There. Have you ever had a fish that enjoyed like petting or being interacted with? Oh yeah, yeah. We had a a store a store mascot uh, Dot that would come up to the side and, and want you to scratch it. What kind of fish was this? This was a Desjardini sailfin tang. Ah, okay. I don't know exactly what that is, but I know what a tang is. And there was a, a, another store that had, they have a, a unicorn tang, so it's kind of, it gets this big horn on the front, and he likes, his name's Spot, and he likes to get scratched too. So it, it's, it, they've kind of gotten to the point where they're used to almost us as like a cleaner fish, so they kind of see us as like we're not a, pr- a predator anymore. We're not this big shark running around in the in this all air environment. How are they surviving? <laughs> but, uh, stick the hand in, and then they kind of come up to it like it's a like a cleaning source or you know station. Right, and exactly like you said, that kind of gets down to the personality of the animal. A lot of people don't 
people kind of see fish as like insects of the sea and right. potentially you know insects might even have personalities we actually there's new breaking research on that every day but stay tuned stay oh, tuned yeah. but, I didn't cricket growing up it's no one else knew but yeah I had but, a wasp just devil hopper uh, but fish they can have personalities they can have fulfilling lives in aquariums and they can enrich ours and I think that's really what it comes down to we've got a man on the on the it's not the phone. On the blower. We got, yeah, we got a man on the blower who has pursued the discipline of aquarium hobby, and it has enriched his life, and he's also Absolutely. enriching ours right now. So, Absolutely. thank you guys very much. I, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on here. No, you were, and it's, it's been great. You were a great, you were a great interviewee, and I'm glad you could uh, fill in for us. And you know what? We would have had you on anyway, but you're just clutch, so you came in last minute. <laughs> Um, so that's right everybody check out Kyle's podcast when it comes out which will be Don't Tap the Glass the complete aquarium podcast you've got a very knowledgeable host and I know he's dedicated to his craft um, those people that listened I hope you enjoyed this episode if you did let us know please rate and review if you can on whatever platform you listened if you didn't uh also, please let us know. Kindly. And, uh, we'll, yeah, kindly, politely, please. Don't hurt my feelings. Let us know. Um, if you have any comments, criticisms, compliments, or concerns, please send those over to us on our social media accounts. Or if you want some kind of resource that maybe we can provide, we're happy to reach out for that. Also, if you have questions or topics that you want covered in a further episode, drop us a line. But please tune in next week.